we continue worshiping together today, you may turn in your favorite Bible app or the Pew Bible and receive this reading from the book of Exodus, beginning in chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, for us. Who shall go before us? As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took them, formed it in a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. And now receive this reading from the letter to the chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Receive what the Spirit is saying. If you've ever found yourself in the position of needing to explain some of the idioms that we frequently use in American English, then you know that it can get confusing very quickly, especially for a non-native speaker. A cow pie, for example, is not something anyone should be eating. Exclaiming, holy cow, does not mean that there's a pretty golden statue nearby. Any confusion due to the way that we might make you wish to say, oh, la vache, but we're not French. So, please.
please don't have a cow. <laughs> Try to get used to it because we could do this till... Yes, yes, we could. We could do this till... I even found myself caught between two idioms in the run-up today, and I was confused enough that I, that I actually had to do some research and figure out if a golden calf was also a sacred cow. I was a little confused. They the same thing, though sometimes we treat them that way. We're rejoining Moses, Aaron, and the people, having fled Egypt and slavery under Pharaoh. They're now camped near Mount Sinai. And they, and they have seen some rather miraculous things in their journey, survival through plagues and the Passover, the parting of the Yamsuf or the Red Sea, and their hours of great need in the desert, falling from heaven, and Moses getting water to come from the rock. But even with all that backdrop, we hit this point where an idol is being fashioned. And the people say, let's make a gods that will in verse 1. It's done because, quite frankly, Moses is just taking too long to come down from the mountain. We don't know what happened to him. And to be fair, in the descriptions, there's a lot of lightning up there. So something bad could have happened. So we cut off from what may seem their only connection to God, Moses, who they say had brought them out of Egypt. Alternatives are being sought in the confusion. I'm not sure we can be all for this one. There appears to be angst, a lack of clarity, a lack of patience. I wouldn't be surprised if people were bored or tired or scared. And many times in the book of Exodus, fear as people looked up at the mountain. Within that fear, the person who has been leading you the main one pointing to the ideal and seemingly instigating with the Lord the various miracles saving your life. And if that person with the clarity and direction of getting through the harsh world and landscape was absent, then maybe the Lord was absent too. Okay, fine. I might turn to something as well. Hopeless or depressive or dangerous. You can forgive them a little for making these little golden calves. Especially if we're trafficking in the thought that it's the thing that will get us to be and without waiting. And I can just make it myself. Or better still, Aaron can do it for me and make it do the thing that I want. Stated positively, it becomes something of a comfort. Times created with a desire to move forward toward better days, but not actually taking us anywhere. There's another element to the story, though, and I found it very interesting working with it this week. Be forgiven for forgetting that there are two scenes happening simultaneously. The activity with Aaron and the people at the bottom of the mountain, but also the ongoing activity of God with Moses mountain, giving seven chapters worth of detailed instructions for the building of the sanctuary for the Lord. Some of the description sounds like this. The altar needs to be so many cubits wide, so many cubits high. It needs horns. 
And the whole thing needs to be overlaid in gold and gold molding. Use acacia wood, put gold on that too. Make sacred garments, carved stones, braided chains, robes, breastplates, on and on. That's a lot. But then God says to Moses, I've filled the people with spirit and wisdom and understanding, knowledge and all kinds of skill to make these things. All the while, though, the calf is being fashioned, meaning the material, the spirit, the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge and all kinds of skill get employed to the thing other than what God had been asking. I've tried considering the golden calves of today. We could describe it as vices or destructive habits, or trauma voyeurism, hyperpartisan politics, white heteronormative and nationalistic church policies, overconsumption and the destruction of creation. I could also describe it as a particular thing or one thing in juxtaposition to another. Billion-dollar stadium deals and broken public housing deals. $600 million Bible music and 600,000 unhoused human beings. In the face of violence, the clamoring for an investment in more enforcement more penalties, more harsher responses to incidents with almost no, and certainly not equal, corresponding clamoring for investment and prevention, for food subsidies, for rental assistance, for the capital, for the alleviation of systemic and generational poverty, and the elimination of the conditions that too frequently, too predictably, lead to acts of desperation and crime. Rarely, if ever, is there total agreement on the exact things that will move us toward local, much less global, beloved communities of economic, racial, and social justice. And I get that. But I'm finding this recurring notion that policy priorities, that somehow we are going to enforce incarcerate, ignore, or deport our way away from bitter fruits of systemic poverty and violence, not just be a perennial golden calf, not just a quadrennial campaign sacred cow, but also just complete bull over and over. Part of our lesson today is that we've all been given material, spirit, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all kinds of skill that can be employed in the building up of beloved community. Under community, Aaron seems to have lost the thread on the ways they've been called to employ those gifts. He capitulated under pressure, something all of us are likely familiar with, from the youngest among us to the wisest among us. Commentary on the story says that he had an antidote to withstand that pressure with him the whole time. And the suggestion is that in those times of pressure and confusion or fear, Aaron and we have options to keep us on track. 
Zena Jacques at Alfred Street Baptist Church in Alexandria put it this way in her commentary, and I paraphrase for us. Rehearse God's word that we're on the way together as God promises and we'll be safe on the journey. Review the miracles. Did we not just survive plagues, cross the sea, eat manna, and drink water from the rock? We're not abandoned. And remember the promises of covenant. We can build and live in beloved community when we employ material, spirit, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all kinds of skill into kingdom building. For those times of pressure and fear and confusion, tell again the good stories of our life together yesterday to offer direction for the continued building up of life and flourishing tomorrow. Finally, have some urgency about it, siblings. That's our second scripture lesson today. And Paul writes, story of pressure, but writing into the community that is experiencing it, in part because the church leaders are headed in different directions, something we know about from our denominational politics. He tries some of that remedy with the community at Philippi that was available to Aaron. Jane Lancaster Patterson rephrases the passage in this way. Rejoice. Joy to arrive on its own, but commit yourself to practices of godly joy every day. No one is at their best right now, including you. So be gentle with absolutely everyone. Christ is near. Take moments to experience the reality that you are surrounded by transcendent compassion that is larger and deeper than you. Don't obsess over your worries. Crush them under the carpet either. Share them with God, all of the worry and all of the gratitude together. Allow that conversation with God to be a source of peace to understand and commit yourself to not simply obsess over all that is going wrong, all the evil and destruction that you see in the world, but turn your attention to the things that matter. The action that is worthy of respect to places where justice is being done, to goodness in all its forms, and make a list if you must. challenge. We are reunited and renewed through the stories and through the promise. I don't want to let it pass by us that Eve shared something today from the cycle of service. Thank you. He's been helping me. From the cycle of service of being first a volunteer, now a leader, from being student and now teacher and to have done this for his whole lifetime. That's a gift for us, and it's rare. We have generational families at Foundry, but we don't have many. And it takes good parents and good family to make sure that things are happening. We give thanks for you and your work.
Another parent had written us uh, the other month after family camp to count again something of joy for us. These last few years have been tough and painful, they said. I've been on the other side of the worst of it for a bit now, but I still note with gratitude when something that felt hopeless feels hopeful again. This past weekend just felt so easy. Whether in our small table groups or over meals or in the cabin after the kids went to bed, just having the time set aside helped it happen. For many of us, these last years have been tough and painful for varied reasons. And frequently, we have missed out on being able to celebrate joyous events together. And as we figure out and set aside intentional time to reunite and renew with one another, we can benefit from the connections with God and one another and the stories that emerge. The stories of working through challenges and hope and gratitude can be strength enough to resist the pressures of the world. There are a couple of invitations before us as the Foundry family in this season. The first, our own commitments of our gifts of material and spirit, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all kinds of skill, and the commitments that we can make into this next year, and how we're going to put them building. That is our stewardship season. We name what we commit to for kingdom building in the next year. The second, including an opportunity today, come and share your stories, the stories of your own life where you have felt engaged or been given life, where you have been inspired or grown in your belief and faith. Come and point to a place where you have made to hopeful, and then help us think together using everything that we have, how we'll create those opportunities in times of challenge and in a world that needs it, those opportunities for others to come. I hope that as you make your considerations, what you can give financially for the next year, but also how you're going to share your own story, that you'll take advantage of those set-aside times. After this service, at 12.30, so there's time to get coffee, we'll be right back in here to do just that. So if you have the time today to come and share, I hope you will. If you don't have it today, I hope you'll seek one out. Plus, as we consider what we're going to offer, I am praying for us for the clarity to emerge as we share with one another a vision for the future. Amen. Amen.